0: It doesn't say you can or you might, you will. They will lay hands on the sick. That shows me it's just a way of life. When you come up on the sick, lay hands on the sick. Those who believe, lay hands on the sick. We need to get it, church. Physical healing. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Next scripture says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven we see a little bit of something added to the laying on of hands with the sick and that is the anointing of oil once you know here at church on the hill we believe in both if you come up here and you are sick we're going to lay hands on you and we've got a little thing of oil that we're going to take out and it's no different than us taking communion with grape juice and a wafer it is out of obedience and out of our prayer anointing these items that it becomes what God has called them to become. There's nothing special in that little jug, even though people sell things kind of weird. Um, what makes it what makes it anointed is our obedience, our faith, our belief. Then everything changes. That's where the laying on of hands become effective. Again, with both of these, the laying on of hands and the anointing of oil, it is the exercise of faith in the Lord that brings the healing. So I want to, I did this a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to do it again. Why, when we get sick, is God the last one we go to? I believe that we are missing what the, one, of the, one of the main functions of the church is. It says that when you are sick, you are to call for the elders of the church. It's a great function of the church that's not functional. For two reasons. I think that the the leaders aren't doing it, and the believers aren't asking for it. It's not just all my fault. I don't know if you all watch the Predators, but whenever the Predators score, the fans yell at the goalie, and they tell him it's all his fault. Three times. Every single time. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. Well, it's not all my fault. I'll take some of it. I am I'm in the mix of the church body to blame. But I want you to know we are a church that believes what God says. And God says that we can lay our hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So I make that commitment to you. You come to me for me to lay hands on you, I will. You come to my staff for us to lay hands on you. You come to my deacon board for us to lay hands on you, we will. And we will believe and we will pray according to God's word. Bless you. Is anyone amongst you sick? Can anyone answer that question? Is anyone amongst you sick? Then comes what to do. Call for the elders of the church. Very important. I'm going to tie this one passage right here to this. Don't lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Those that are laying hands on the sick, you need to be right with God. If not, stuff can sneak in on you. Do you know that Satan's just looking for people to devour? And he loves getting religious people. He loves getting the church. That's why we need to be full of faith. We need to be in the Word, and we need to be active. We need to be proactive. It's not going to keep me from laying hands on the sick. That's Satan trying to keep me from laying hands on the sick. but i don't want to i don't i want to have my heart right before i do it a lot of times if you come up for prayer i will be getting my heart right <laughs> how many of you know your heart can go wrong pretty quick your thoughts can go can go sideways very quickly my dad once taught me whenever you're dealing with someone in the public be sure to dress yourself for what's about to happen because so many times people can come and push a button in you that you did not know you were you didn't know was in you And he said, I want you to dress yourself saying that there is nothing that someone can say that can get that part of you. Nothing that can cause you to say a four-letter word or to regret what you've said. And you've got to dress yourself. You've got to prepare yourself for that. Well, that's what I'm asking here is that as we're walking, we've got to be dressing ourselves. And the way that we dress ourselves is by allowing the Word of God to come in and praying and seeking God when we face these challenges. It says, put on the whole armor of Christ, because if you don't, you're going to be exposed. Put on the whole armor of Christ so that when you come up to pray my prayers, you need to have on the whole armor because I want you to know every demon in hell is on its way to the altar too. Trying to disrupt the kingdom of God. But I want you to know, church, what's in me is stronger than anything that can show up at this altar. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is nothing Satan can do to me when I am equipped with the Lord. So when you lay hands on someone, don't do it hastily. Keep yourself pure. Amen? Let me show that to you real quick. Three warnings. Don't do it hastily. Don't share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Romans chapter 1. This is, so we've just talked about healing. This is imparting spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. For as long as I see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Verse 12. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by mutual faith of both you and me. Again, this is another purpose of the church is to acknowledge and to see gifts and to impart those gifts into the church body. You know, as, as, I, as, as we have been meeting with our young families, the more I the hang around them, the more I can start to see spiritual giftings pop out. And the only way that happens is by spending time with each other. You can't get that. You can't find out who each other is unless you start to learn who each other is. And that's why the church is here is to be able to identify, hey, I see God doing this in you. And I want to lay hands on you to impart that spiritual gift into you. Church, we have missed the power of the church. We are missing it. There is so much to be done here. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Don't neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Again, these pieces happen in the church. I want you to hear me. Every one of you has a gift. Every one of you has a calling. Someone pointed out this morning that so many times we see hear that word calling, we only think of those that are in the church. That's not right at all. You have a calling, you have a purpose. And God has a special gift just for you. And don't neglect it. I want you to know you need to be around for somebody to be able to speak into your life. This prophecy sometimes just comes as a loose word of someone talking to you. It doesn't have to be, Thus saith the Lord, you shall part the waters and whatever. It can be just someone having lunch with me and just giving me an encouraging word saying, man, I think you would be good at this. I think you're strong here. I think the Lord's guiding you this way. Or just saying, Justin, I think you'd be good at X, Y, Z. And you don't realize that because the Spirit of God is in me, He is speaking through me sometimes. And it's not always a bolt of lightning coming down. But what happens is we neglect it. But church, we miss from the eldership, from the leadership, from the laying on of hands and imparting spiritual gifts. Next one. Sending out apostles. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Forgive me for my funny pronunciation. pronunciation. (laughs) That That was funny. Where am I at? Acts chapter 13. And they ministered to the Lord, and they fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me to Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. 13 verse 2. And having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. A, A big call of the church is to raise up apostles and send them out. We need to be raising up men and women of God. And we need to be fasting and praying and building relationship and getting to know each other's giftings and strengths and weaknesses and raise them up and send them out. Very similar to what we do in our own household. My kids are not going to stay with me forever. We are to raise them up in the way that they should go. No different here in the church to raise up disciples in the way that they should go. Some stay, some go. But one thing that's got to happen is they've got to be raised up. And in order to be raised up, we've got to be around. And in order to raise them up correctly, we've got to know the correct way to raise them up. And then lay hands and fast and pray and send them out. There are some with under the sound of my voice needs to be raised up and sent out because God's got an incredible plan for you. There are others here under the sound of my voice that needs to be raised up and put to work and get to work with what God has called you to do here. Some of that sending out includes being here. Out of your own comfort zone. But, Elders, deacons, leadership, pastor, we need to be identifying and raising them up and laying hands on them and sending them out. Somebody say amen. We have been given authoritative scriptural account to that purpose that church leaders are to lay hands on. We saw here with Paul and Barnabas and we are told to be commended that these are commended to the grace of God for the work. And then finally Acts chapter 6 Acts chapter 6 verse 1 Liz I'm going to get you to flip these pages. Now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because of their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. verse 2 Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Porchorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Antioch, verse 6, whom they set before the apostle, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Again, identifying, calling, praying, laying hands on the deacons and the elders of the church. Now, we do this. Um, we do lay hand. We do all of these, I believe, but some of them we have just kind of um, paused, uh, not taken account, but we do lay hands on our deacons. We do lay hands on our elders. We do commend them. We do um, do this publicly and install them into this office. I want you to know that this is done by God according to His Word. And those six that I have here, I believe, meet the requirement of elder and deacon. And I believe that the same power that was in, that raised Christ from the dead is in our deacons here in this church and in our pastors. And I believe that there is full power here at Church on the Hill. And I believe that when we line up according to God's word, believe and ask according to his will and under the authority of his name, he's going to do it. Here at Church on the Hill shall be people healed of the sick, the blind eyes see, the deaf ears hear, the dead raised from the dead, the broken hearts mended, marriages restored. I believe there is so much power to be done here at Church on the Hill. In you, through you, through our leadership, through you. We saw that when Paul, when Paul was on the road to Emmaus, when he was blinded by the light, when he received Christ on that road and then was told to go to Ananias and for Ananias to lay hands on him, Ananias was not some special minister. He was just a disciple. There was nothing extra ministry-wise with him and he was the one that laid hands on Paul the writer of most of the new testament it was done by a disciple of Christ we think it has to happen from someone else yet the per- the person that needs saving is you're probably the only one to come in contact with them you The same power. When you walk into a room, Christ walks into the room. And as much as you may not feel equipped to share the gospel, you are. And your language will meet your people. Did you hear that? Your language will meet your people. What I mean is they will receive from you. So I want to encourage you, be equipped. What's being laid literally into your hands is an equipping of power. Everybody look at your hand. There is power in your hand. Because God says so. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. It's not your hands. It's not you. It's Christ in you. When I lay hands on you, it is Christ laying hands on them. I, I believe that when, when Christ said, "You will do these miracles and more," I don't think necessarily meant he meant you're going to do bigger miracles. I think he meant there are more of you than there is of me. I cannot minister to everyone. But the only way that I can is if I get in you. Do you follow that? That sounds like it's putting limitations on Christ. It didn't. It it became unlimited when he left. He knew he had to leave. Because his earthly ministry was limited to a man that could only see so many people. So what he said was, you're going to do more because if I leave, all of you can do it. But what happens is we're still waiting for Jesus to do it, and we're not doing it. The power is in you. Now, can we just be goofy? I don't like to be goofy, and I don't like to hold hands, but we all stand up, and I'm, we're just going to do something here real quick. I want you to get close to the person in your aisle and make sure you can. Everybody just put a hand on a shoulder.